Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. And I just want to welcome everyone here and everyone online. Um, we're just so thankful that you guys are here. You, you took time out of your, your Sunday to be here and to be with God's people. So uh, I started my Father's Day, I think, as most fathers should. I had dessert for breakfast and coffee. So I've had, I'm, I'm full of chocolate and caffeine, so I'm ready to go. And I'm definitely going to have some donuts after this. But uh, so we're going to jump into the last week of a short sermon series on rest. And we're going to look at rest through the lens of the Sabbath. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord, and we thank you for uh, the, the, the gift of rest that you give us, Lord. And, and I pray today that, that my words uh, will not be from me, but they will be from you, Lord, and that, that Lord, that uh, this message will be centered on you and on you alone. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so I spent the better part of my 20s as a ski bum. Uh, I was in Colorado. I was in California. Uh, the first year I moved to Colorado was right after college. I moved with four buddies to Winter Park, Colorado. And I had graduated the previous term. And so I just, I was like, I, I'm in my mom and dad's house. I got to go. I got to leave. So I took off, packed my car, left by myself, moved to Colorado, had a job lined up, uh, met with my boss. He's like, yeah, I don't have a job for you. So I'm in Colorado. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? I go to, go to a bar. I'm watching Monday Night Football, and a guy's like, hey, you should, you should apply at ski school. So I go to ski school the next day. I apply. I get a job. And I was blown away by the culture that they have in the ski schools around uh, mountains all around the country. It's a culture where you work 30, 40, 50 days in a row. I had people that I worked with who had hairline fractures in their shins who still went to work. I had friends who got concussions and would go to work. I had friends when I was in Mammoth who had broken arms who would go teach little kids. And that was the culture. No rest. You work, you work, you work. So we're going to take a look today at the gift that God gives us in Sabbath rest. I have to say this was a stretching week for me in sermon prep. Um, for a couple reasons. The, the majority of my preaching has been book by book, verse by verse, and this is a topical sermon. And so I think it's a beautiful thing when we go book by book, verse by verse, we can't avoid uncomfortable, tough texts in the, in the scriptures. Um, but this is different. This is going to be topical. So we're going to spend a lot of time looking at con contextual stuff, looking at what's surrounding these three sections of scripture that we're going to look at. Uh, the other difficult part was that when we look at the idea of Sabbath, and rest, there's so many different opinions. I look, you know, from, from Augustine to the Puritans to even guys that I look up to today have very different views on the Sabbath. From, you know, strict Sunday, you do no work on that day, to not so strict. And so one of the things that we're going to look at today is we're going to look at themes, we're going to look at principles, we're not going to get into the weeds. I got into the weeds this week and wasted a lot of time, wasted a lot of time in reading. And so I don't want to get stuck 
in those weeds. I want to just find a few things that we can apply to our lives as believers from God's word in regards to rest and Sabbath. So uh, the outline for today, we're going to have three points. The first is from Genesis 2, 1 through 3. It's going to be the foundation of the Sabbath. The second point, Deuteronomy 5, 12, and 13, the rules of the Sabbath. And our final point will be from Hebrews 4, 9, and 10, which we read earlier, and that's going to be the end of the Sabbath. We'll also have a couple applications at the end. So let's start with our first point. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So I'll give you guys a chance if you guys want to find that in your Bible on your phone. So Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So any examination of the Sabbath, we really should start here. Uh, we, we see a foundation for, for God's rest or for rest in this pattern. We see a six plus one pattern emerge. Uh, and I wanna rewind to the previous chapter. The previous chapter is the creation narrative. And the creation narrative is really important as we look at this text. So I wanna reorient the way that we look at the creation narrative. So you know, typically we read it as if it's a textbook. God creates this, the day ends. God creates this, the next day ends. I want you guys to look at it more as a song. So uh, I promised my wife I wouldn't reference Lord of the Rings, so I'm not going to. But I'm going to reference The Cimmerillion, another Tolkien uh, book. So Tolkien, in his, he creates a whole world. And in that world, there's a song of creation. We also see it uh, for the children, if they were in here, in the Chronicles of Narnia, Lewis uses song as the creation for his world. And I think that's a more appropriate to way to look at this creation narrative that we see prior to the institution of God's rest on the seventh day. So we see that he creates plants, he creates light, he creates animals, he creates sea creatures. And often we come to the end of this narrative and we see humanity as the pinnacle. I've taught that before, but I don't think that's correct now. I think my, my, my view changed a little bit this week. I think the pinnacle of the creation narrative, the crescendo of this song, is God creating his rest. Because if we look at this, every other day comes to an end. God's rest does not come to an end in this, in this story. We are still living in God's rest. Now, obviously, sin has entered the world, and we'll talk about that, and that's fractured this rest, and it's had an effect on it. Um, now, John Stott says it, says it this way, the climax of Genesis 1 is not the creation of human beings as workers, but the institution of the Sabbath for human beings as worshipers. The end point is not our toil, but the laying aside of our toil on the Sabbath day. For the Sabbath puts the importance of work into perspective. It protects us from a total absorption in our work as if it were the, the be-all and end-all of our existence. It is not. That's from John Stott. 
let's look at a few things. So, so let's look at work real quick. So we see a pattern of work and rest. Uh, I wanna make sure that, that work is not seen as a negative here. We see work is pre-fall. So before Adam and Eve sin, work is instituted. So work is a good thing, but again, sin has affected it. Uh, I also wanna take notice that, that the question is, is God tired here? Did he take a rest because he was tired? And I think the answer is no. The ease that he creates would, would, inst- uh, would indicate that that is not the case. Um, and as he's creating, uh, he's not tired. He's an active participant still in creation, even today. And then the third thing is that if you notice in this text, Sabbath actually isn't mentioned. Um, this is a foundational text. When the Sabbath is mentioned later in Exodus and Deuteronomy, but I think that the pattern does still hold that we see an idea of rest being instituted by God. So that's the first point. We see God creates, 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 and rest is a part of his creation in Genesis. That brings us to our second point. How then do we do Sabbath? How how does this actually work? Is this a, I take a whole day off and do nothing and sit on my couch and watch football? Or is there another principle here? So the second point is the rules of the Sabbath. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 12, and 13. And it says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So this is the second time the Sabbath is mentioned. It's mentioned back in Exodus as well. Uh, and the context here is it's Ten Commandments, Fourth Commandment, and the, the big thing here is that this text, this piece of scripture is given to a specific people, specific time, specific place. Um, and as we, we look at it, it it's, it's clearly a command given to Israel to observe this day. We are not Israel. Um, we are the church. We are, it's, it's, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I think that the lens that I like to think this through is through covenants. So when God is working, he's working through covenants. So, you know, we have the Mosaic covenant here. A covenant is simply, as Mark Jones calls it, at its most basic level, a covenant is an oath-bound relationship between two or more parties. Thus, human covenants, for example, marriage, fall under this general definition. In divine covenants, God sovereignly establishes the relationship with his creatures. So at this point, we're in the Mosaic covenant. We are now in the new covenant. So there's two different covenants. Now, as we look at the covenants, there's continuity. There's things that continue throughout them, and there's discontinuity. There's things that change. And uh, I think that, that as we look at the Sabbath, my, where I land, which is going to be different than a lot of you, and I think we can differ on this. I don't think this is a primary issue. I think this is secondary, is that with Jesus coming, Lord of the Sabbath, I think the Sabbath is no longer a literal seventh day that we observe. Um, But I do think that the pattern of six plus one or something similar to that is really, really, really wise. I think it still holds. I think that this pattern of rest is really, really important. So when we look at rest, what does does that actually look like when we're resting? Um, The Westminster Confession of Faith, which was a document it was produced by essentially the Puritans 
in England. Uh, it, it's a document and it's a catechism. You go through, there's questions and answers, and it was a way to train children, essentially. And it, it's, it, it helps with this. Uh, and so in question 119, it says that idleness profanes the Sabbath. So I coach basketball. You guys didn't know that. I'm, uh, I, I, and one of the things that we do is that we use a practice called active rest. So we don't tell our athletes the day after a game to just sit on the couch all day. We want to do something with them that's different from the toil of the game of basketball. We're not practicing. We're not running. We're doing something different. We're going swimming. We're going on a hike. We're doing something active that's restful for us. And I think what's happening here is that the rest that we have that God gives us is an active rest. It's not a rest where we stop and do nothing, though there's a place for that. It's an active rest where we are worshiping the Lord, where we're taking the Sabbath and we're focusing on something. There's an object of the Sabbath. There's an object of our rest. And that brings us to our final point. So the final point is the end of the Sabbath, and this is going to be in Hebrews 4, 9, and 10. And by the end of the Sabbath, I don't mean that the Sabbath will come to an end. I don't mean rest will come to an end. I mean that there is an end in mind, which I just touched on. And that end is that when God created the Sabbath, when he created rest, when he built this pattern, it's teleological. There's an end in mind. It's driving towards something. One of the ways that, that, that I was trained to think about how God works in the Bible is promise to fulfillment. So we see promises in the Bible, and we see God fulfilling them. There's a promise of God's rest that we see in Hebrews. We see that we can enter that rest. How then do we enter into God's rest? And I think it's simply through the good news about Jesus. In order to enter that rest, we need to understand the gospel. And we need to come back to the gospel. And we need to reiterate the gospel. And the gospel is going to be over and over. If you're at GCC, we've got the gospel cohort. We're going to hit gospel every single time there's someone preaching up here. And so what, what then is the gospel? And so it's the big news. It's the good news about Christ. And it's, it's simply this. God created everything. He created everything. He's the ruler of this world. Uh, and he creates man to bear his image. We're created in a, in a different way than everything else. And we're created to be his stewards in this world. We're here to take care of this world. But obviously, something has, has happened. Um, we see all kinds of, we're, we're not doing this well. And that's because sin entered the world. So man disobeyed. Basically, through his actions, he told God, I do not need you. I will do this life on my own. And we tell God that almost every day through our sin. The sin equals death. It equals judgment. It, it, it fractures creation. But God had a plan. And that plan was to send Jesus. And so we've been separated from God by our sin. And so we need someone to bridge that gap. And that gap is bridged through Jesus. So Jesus lives. He, he lives a, a, a human life. He's both God and man. He lives a human life. He understands what thirst is like, which I have right now because I've been talking for 16 minutes. Uh, he understands hunger. He understands pain. The one difference, though, was that he didn't sin. He never rebelled against God. 
And so that qualified him to be a sacrifice for us, to bring us back to God. And so we see Jesus die on the cross for our sins. On the cross, he gives us his righteousness and takes on our sin, called the great exchange. And then he is resurrected on the third day. We celebrate Easter on that day. And that is a stamp of approval that the payment for our sins is received. And so he simply asks us to follow him, to choose a life where we can enter into God's rest through the good news of the gospel. So if, if, this is, if, you're, if you're not a believer here today and you want to know more, please come and talk to me. Talk to Rick, someone else you know, at the Connect Center. We would love to talk to you about what the gospel is, what it means, the implications it has for your life. And then those of you who are believers, I would encourage you to continue to walk in the gospel. The gospel is the A to Z of our faith, the A to Z of our faith, but we never get beyond it. It's the foundation. Finally, as we, as we look at this Hebrew text, there, there's also a heavenly focus here. We, we live in a between time. Um, the, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated. Jesus came, the kingdom has started, but it hasn't been consummated. It's not complete. There's, sin is still a part of this world. So we live in this between time, and it hasn't reached its glorious peak yet, and it will one day. And I'm going to tell a little story. So, Father's Day, um, thinking about my daughter. We have a five-month-old. She's in the back if you guys want to say hi later with my wife, Robin. Uh, we, we, went on our, we took her on our first hike this week. It was awesome. I, uh, my wife was a little surprised when I suggested a hike. Not two weeks ago, I had told her I don't like hiking. Little did she know it was for a sermon illustration. So we went to Mount Pisgah. Uh, we met some friends. We hiked up. You know, I am a larger human, and so hiking up hills is not my favorite thing. Uh, it was, if you're going to define toil, work, it was work. But when we got to the top, it's beautiful. You have a, a beautiful view of the valley. Uh, it was a typical Northwest hike. We had clouds, sun, and then it rained on us on the way back. So beautiful hike. Does it, but does anybody know Mount Pisgah? Does anybody know where that's found in the Bible? Where is that found? Does anybody know? Anybody? It's right, it's at the end of the Exodus. It's at the end of the Exodus. So Moses and the people have been in the desert. They've been in this parched land. But the promise is still there of God's rest in the promised land. At this point, land and rest are tied together. If that's something you want to talk to me about afterwards, that's one of the, the areas that I, one of the weeds I got stuck in. Um, there's this promise of rest, and it's associated with the land. And so God takes Moses, who will never enter this land. He dies in the next few verses. And he looks into the land from the top of Mount Pisgah. And so when we look at God's rest, we are seeing a shadow right now. We don't know what it's fully like. And he gives us rest. He gives us Sabbath to stand on the top of Mount Pisgah and look into the promised rest, into that promised land. So what should we do? How do we live then? Uh, Francis Schaeffer said, how then should we live in a, in a famous series that he did years ago? So we're going to look at a few applications, a few applications. They're very simple. They're very easy, but they're also really hard. So the first one is, 
you have to be intentional about rest. You have to be intentional about this time. I know that, you know, my wife and I got married right before the state of Oregon shut down, March 21st. Since then, we've had a baby. I've moved to Eugene. And in order to do anything, we have to be very intentional about it. We calendar a few times a week just because we want to be intentional about the way that we use our time. If you don't do this, if you're not intentional about this, it won't happen. You won't rest. It'll be three weeks later, and you haven't taken a rest. I want to spend uh, just a moment. It's Father's Day, my first Father's Day, uh, and thinking about, like, my daughter and who she's going to be. I'm trying not to cry. Um, and just thinking intentionally, like, we want this to be a pattern. My wife and I both work hard. We love what we do. But we know that resting in Christ, that taking time intentionally to do that, is so important. It's so important. And so I would just challenge the fathers today that it's your task to lead your families. It's your job to lead in a way that's restful for your families. And I know that there are, I know that, the, that there are those that, that just the mention of father, like Rick said, can be painful. And so um, I, would, I would charge the rest of you as well, like be intentional about this. Singles, married, young marrieds, if you're not married, really just be intentional about the way we use our time. So that's the first point. The second one, and Rick, Rick touched on this, in his, earlier, is just to show, show up, show up to church. There is a communal aspect, there's a corporate aspect to this rest, that when we see these, these words given to the people, they're given to people within the context of the body. That was Israel before Jesus came, and that's the church now. So it, it's super important for us to show up. This should be a restful place. And I know that we talk about this all the time in staff meetings. We want this to be a place that's welcoming, that's restful, that people want to, that they're excited to come to on Sunday. So show up, be here, make this a priority. Church is a big deal. Being a part of God's people is a big deal. And we're so excited. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I know like just be encouraged that you're here. We're so excited to have you. And then the last one is, the last piece of application is to do this with joy. So you have each been created differently. God has made you wonderfully, and we're all different, and we're created in different ways. And so Sabbath for DC is going to look different than Sabbath for Jake or Ian. It's going to look different for Hunter or Sierra. The way that we Sabbath is going to look very different. I want to make the point that, that the Sabbath is focused on Christ. It's focused on our worship first. But the way that we do it, there's freedom. There's freedom. Probably not going to go on any more hikes. That's probably not going to be how I Sabbath. <laughs> but I know that's how my wife likes to spend time with the Lord. And so figure out a way, whether that's maybe painting or hiking, barbecuing, spending time with people, Focus time with people. Maybe you enjoy cathedrals. So go to a, something architectural and, and, and take time and, and worship the Lord there. So that's the third point. So the, the, the three points of application were be intentional, show up, and 
do it with joy and find something that, that, that really you connect well with God with. I want to end with a quote from Dane Ortland. And as we look at this idea of rest, he sums up a lot of the things I've been talking about in this quote. And he, he observes of Jesus. He is that of which the Sabbath is a shadow. Jesus is the shadow caster. He doesn't just forgive our sins. He lets the frenetic RPMs of the heart slow down into calm sanity. And no external circumstance can threaten that rest as we look to him. So this, this morning, this week, this month, this year, look to Christ for rest. Know that it's built into creation. Know that God cares about it, that he gives us the church as a place to rest, and that ultimately we're looking to an eternal rest in Christ in heaven. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we can cast our gaze upon Christ, that we can take time out of our busy schedules to rest the Sabbath and to rest and Sabbath in you and you alone, Lord. Lord, we are so thankful uh, for today and all the gifts that you've given us. Oh, Lord, may we just glorify you and enjoy you in everything that we do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.